in the middle. And what a finish that is. Mason Mounts. That is extraordinary from Fikayo Tamori. This is Callum Hudson. And oh, and there it is. His first goal. For Chelsea, the teenager, a moment he will remember. Hello and welcome back to the Chelsea Spot podcast. I'm Orlando and today I am joined by Path for a quick review of the Leeds game and a preview of Tuesday's game against Krasnodar um, before getting into the interview, the widely anticipated interview with Chelsea under-18 captain Charlie Wiggett. So you're going to have to wait around a bit for that one, but I'm sure I, I can assure you it'll be worth it. Um, before we get into it, make sure to check us out on all our social media platforms, including our website, Twitter, Instagram, all of the usual podcasting platforms and now YouTube as well. So if you can drop us a subscribe on there, that would be greatly appreciated. So, yeah, as I said, for today's episode, I am joined by my mate Puri. How are you doing? Doing great, mate. Um, really happy after yesterday's win and looking forward to the interview as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm... Um, Really happy with the win as well. Um, we did go one down, one nil down at first. Um, after actually a, a quite good start, we had a few chances. I think Hakim Ziyech um, had a shot saved. Giroud put one just wide from a corner, but then within I think about five minutes, Patrick Bamford got got the goal. Um, but we didn't look stressed at all, did we? No, we didn't. And this is something which we have said with Sheffield United this season, when we went 1-0 mm. down, we were saying last season we would have lost that game. We would have just completely collapsed, but this team kept on going and we just created chances after chance. And when you when you create so many chances and big opportunities, we did miss a lot yesterday, but when you create so many, you're going to score one uh, one of them or two or three in yesterday's case. And it, you know, it was a really solid performance attacking one. Yeah, we actually created over four expected goals, which is, I think, believe one of the highest totals from any team in any game in the Premier League this season is really exceptional um but yeah talking about the goals Giroud I guess sort of uh making it clear that Frank Lampard's choice to start him was the right one with his goal do you think what do you think of his overall performance do you think the choice was justified yeah so we 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 said we wouldn't start him, didn't we? Yeah, um, we did. And I I feel like Frank did have to give him the start because after scoring four, you can't really drop a strike. I think overall, like, wasn't a bad performance. He he wasn't uh, massively involved. He missed a header in the second half, which he probably should have scored. Um, but other than that, you know, he linked up the play all right. He scored a goal, which is what we want from a striker. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it was a decent performance all round. It was good to see Tammy give him a nice embrace when he came on as a sub for him, wasn't it? That that's that bromance between those two guys is something I really like. Um, but Kurt Zuma, let's talk about this guy. He's scored again. I think his fifth goal of the season, I believe. Um, I I tweeted about it uh, actually. I said that Anthony Barry must read why tweets because a few months ago I tweeted that whoever teaches Kurt Zuma to time his jumps properly will turn him into an absolute scoring monster. Um, and it seems like someone must have done that. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's Anthony Barry necessarily, but it must have been someone at the club because he is now timing his jumps properly. He's always been good in the air just because of his natural physical attributes. But now he is making sure that he connects with the ball when he's at his highest point in the air. He can, you know, um, make sure that his body is in the right position to guide the header into 
the corner um, and, and he scored five already, which is quite remarkable. Yeah, I mean, he's he's an absolute beast in the air. Uh, and from set pieces is something we've been missing in the last few seasons and he's got it. And I think you've also got to credit Mason Mount for oh, his yeah. taking over the corners. We'll discuss his performance later on, I'm sure. But like, I'm thinking right now, there are four corners yesterday we could have scored. Giroud from... Drew in the first half uh, hit the header wide. He also then got one on target, which weren't a stop, which we'll talk about later. Uh, Giroud also missed another one in the second half, and then Zuma scored. Like that's four huge chances from corners. And last season there was another, which there was another in the second half, which Giroud put just over. Yeah, yeah, yes, so, exactly. Um, so yeah, this is quite incredible, really. Um, but yeah, that, it's a good point because I didn't even. I, I was tweeting about. Mount's performance just saying how it was so exceptional but I didn't even think about that the set piece mm. delivery I didn't factor that in is it's really good but um just to quickly mention the third goal to see Pulisic come on uh well he came on early due to ZX injury but I guess that wasn't something that was planned he's still coming back from injury still getting up to full match fitness um and to see him make that kind of lung busting run in the last minute was was really nice um uh and get the goal, of course. And it was Timo Werner with the assist. He did very well um, to kind of get it into Pulisic's path to get his head up. Not something you would necessarily associate with something, a, a player like him who's so um, full of the goals, really. Um, and, you know, I actually, while watching it, I thought he was going to take the shot on and he took his first touch. And I thought I said, that is a terrible first touch. Um, but it was actually a really good one to set up the... Mm. Uh, the square ball. Um, he did have an awful miss earlier on in the match, and he has had a poor run of finishing recently. But it's nothing to worry about, is it? No, I, I really don't think so. You know what? He what is he? Twenty four after all, and guess what? He his movement is incredible. The amount of pace he's got, he's going to get chances. And the top strikers in the world, they miss chances. Like your Aubameyangs, your Canes, or whatever, they all miss chances. So there's no point slagging. Slagging off Werner. We literally, well, I say we, some Chelsea fans are slagging off Tammy Abraham a few weeks ago for missing chances. If you're going to slag your strikers off for missing chances every single week, then you've got no hope because then they're not perfect. And you know what? He's going to get goals. And as Lampard said afterwards, he's going to be a, such an important player for this club. I think it's okay to slag your strikers off if they're not scoring goals. But slagging mm. off Tammy, who was our top scorer last season, and Werner, who scored 28 goals in the Bundesliga last season, yeah. it doesn't really make any sense. And if anything, the fact that he's getting the chances um, is encouraging more than anything. It's not um, a bad thing. Whether you score them or miss them, the most important thing is that you're getting in the right positions and you will always get goals eventually um so yeah the poor run of finishing is really nothing to worry about another player who was getting a little bit of stick on on the internet uh, for his performance was Kai Havertz and I just wanted to mention that um today we saw Paul Pogba in his post-match uh, today or yesterday I can't remember we saw Paul Pogba in his post-match interview uh come out and talk about the long-term effects of having COVID-19 that were actually really bad for him and he said he was struggling to to catch his breath after making a, a run in a match um, and Frank Lampard has actually mentioned that Kai Havertz had quite bad symptoms so I think he really needs to be cut some slack here doesn't he yeah exactly and he's 21 and he's adapting to the Premier League from a new league so you mm. know what just just give him a break I tweeted it this morning but he's an he's he's an exceptional player like the potential he has is incredible and what, what he offers to this team when he plays is a lot. A lot of it will go missing. 
because of the way he like looks like on the ball, the way like people are people saying, oh, he's slow on the ball, but he's mm. one of the quickest players in our team. Um, so he it's true. He, it, he, he naturally, really well. yeah, yeah, he naturally looks quite lethargic, I guess. Mm. Um, and with his body language, sometimes gives off that vibe as well. But it's, I guess it's worth mentioning that he thrived in the Bundesliga league, which is basically well. This is a bit of a stretch, but I was going to say it's basically perpetually played in transition. So it's yeah. counter-attack to counter-attack, backwards and forwards. And he completely thrived in that kind of tactical environment. So if anything, um, what he needs to add to his game to adapt is to the Premier League is kind of mixing it up, getting his foot on the ball, but also adding in those driving runs. Um, mm. I think the Premier League is quite unique in the fact that the game's state is very, very changeable. So, you know, sometimes it will be transition after transition. Sometimes it will be, especially in a team like Chelsea, where we tend to dominate the ball for long periods of time. It will be, you know, like against Spurs, it was very kind of um, slow build up tactical games. Um, and that's quite unique to the Premier League, I think. The Bundesliga, Liga, Serie A, they all have their kind of designated tactical styles. But the Premier League is basically chaos. Um, well, Sometimes chaos, sometimes order. So, you know, the fact that it's, it's so changeable uh, during games uh, is something that foreign players will always need to adapt to. And especially ones like Kai Havertz, who are so young and perhaps haven't played that many senior games, you know, full stop. So, yeah, nothing to worry about, really. And I thought it was a, f a fantastic performance all round. Um, Man of the match? I think there's only, there's only one answer, isn't there? Yeah, it's got to be Mason Mount. I think Kante was a close second, but Mason mm. Mount, you know what, created seven chances. Well, seven huge chances, they weren't just time chances, and uh, he was running about everyone. It was a perfect performance for him. Yeah, completely agree. Right, so we're going to move on to preview Tuesday's game against Krasnodar. Of course, as we mentioned in the last podcast, the complete dead rubber, um, nothing riding on this game. Uh, so I guess the real point of interest is the academy players that are likely to be involved, ones who we don't necessarily get to see in the senior team on such a regular basis. So, yeah, which ones do you think are likely to be involved? Well, we've heard a bit about Henry Lawrence um, and the fact that he was training with the Sevilla well, sorry, he was training with the team before Sevilla, uh, even last week, but he unfortunately couldn't make it last minute. But the fact that he was training with them, it, re it really gives him a shot of getting a few minutes on Tuesday. Um, I think Tino Andrin has a chance to, to at least make the squad um, because he's a player who, who the academy really rate. And you know what? Um, we are lacking number eights and it would be a good time to rest um, Kovacic or Mount, someone like that. And maybe we'll see the likes of Lewis Bay on the bench. Um, another player who trained with the first team uh, towards the end of last season and who's had an exceptional start to this season as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the only player I would mention who, who you didn't is perhaps there's an outside chance of Tino Livramento getting mm. uh, an appearance on the bench just due to his incredible start of, to the season. I think it's fair to say he's been by pretty far the academy player of the season so mm. far um so yeah due to that form i think um yeah a cheeky little tino livermento bench appearance wouldn't go amiss um <laughs> but yeah so with that in mind um what what do you think the starting 11 should be so this is hard because 
I was thinking about it and we're sort of lacking wingers in that sense. Um, but anyway, I'll go from the back. I, I'd love to play Petr Cech and goal, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, I, think it'll be, I think it will be Kepa because um, we sort of need to get him into the market so he can leave in January. Um, but I'd go um, Kepa and goal. I'll play uh, Azpilicueta uh, and Lawrence as fullbacks. I don't know which side who because both can play left back and both can play right back. Um uh, Tamori and Christensen at the back. Um, I really want to see Tamori get a chance. If he doesn't get a chance on Tuesday, it's just game over to us. Um, but uh, yeah, Christensen had a really good performance as well. Um, so he deserves to start in midfield to get Jorginho. Um, why not? Dead rubber game. And Billy uh, Billy Gilmore. He needs match fitness, uh, especially as he wasn't even in the squad yesterday. Um, so that'd be a good opportunity for him. And either Tino Andrin or Kovacic, I guess, um, with the front three of Tammy, Callum Hudson-Odoi and either Pulisic or Werner. But that's where I'm thinking we probably should rest one of them. Yeah, so I'm going to say I agree with most of that. I would mm. absolutely love for us to play Willy Caballero in goal just for the band. Like, imagine <laughs> that's like the ultimate piss take for yeah. <laughs> for Kepa just <laughs> to be dropped to the bench, you know, mm. may, like clearly third choice keeper. It won't happen, but I would love to see it happen. Mm. It would be hilarious. Um, I agree on the back four. I, yeah, I, I don't think Henry Lawrence will start, no. but obviously you and I are both very kind of biased towards the academy. So we'd love to yeah. see that happen. Personally, I actually think that, well, Henry Lawrence might leave on loan in January, but let's assume he doesn't. I think we can afford to let both Emerson and Alonso go in January because as Piliqueta can be cover for both left back and right back. And then we have Henry Lawrence who can be cover for both left back and right back. And if you, really want another one you can have Tino Livermento who can be another cover for right back if you want Henry Lawrence to be second choice uh sorry third choice left back then Tino Livermento can be third choice right back so there is depth in the academy and I think there's just no point giving minutes to guys like Emerson Alonso well Alonso hasn't really played but Emerson has actually played quite a bit I don't think there's any point in giving minutes to him when he's clearly not going to be at the club for much longer I mean whether he stays in January I don't know, but there's clearly guys like Ian Martin out on loan who are more in the long-term picture of the club, and there's just no no point giving minutes to, to Emerson when, when he's not going to be here. Uh, mm. So, yeah, much rather give them as P fine because, yeah, it seems quite crazy to me that he's, you know, when all those players do their post-match tweets and Azbilicote is just like, well done, boys, it seems quite <laughs> weird. Like, he's yeah. always... He's always the one who's, who's such a leading presence on the pitch. Um, mm. He's now playing more of a withdrawn role. But, um, yeah, giving minutes to him or even better, Henry Lawrence, for his development is going to be really helpful. So, um, yeah, I think I also think Rudiger will play because he is mm. quite clearly third choice centre-back at the moment, um, despite the fact that I'd love to play Tamori and Christensen as well. Um, mm. I actually think there is a chance that Tamori doesn't play because um, I think he is going to go on loan pretty much January the 1st. Like, yeah. it's quite clearly going to happen. So, um, you know, it's not it's not like he needs to play and, you know, he could also get injured and that would be a bit um, mm. catastrophic. Yeah. So, 
Um, I think it will probably be Christensen and Rudiger again. Um, but then, yeah, the rest I agree with. I think play Pulisic. Um, if you want, sub him off early for, say, Tino Andrin or Kai Havertz, depending on which one of those doesn't start. Um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. So, mm. as we said, there might be quite a few academy players involved on Tuesday, but... As I said at the top, and as you already know by the title of this podcast, I had the great privilege of talking to a different Chelsea Academy player, under-18 skipper Charlie Wiggett. I spoke to him a few weeks ago. The re- release of that unfortunately had to be delayed due to, well, unforeseen circumstances, let's just say. But we can now get it out. So, yeah, it's going to come to your ears right now. I'm Orlando and today I'm delighted to be joined by a very special guest. This season he has captained the Chelsea under-18s team on quite a few occasions. Welcome to the podcast, Charlie Wiggett. Thanks so much for joining me, mate. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to this one. We're going to go through your career so far, talk a bit about the state of play now um, and and look forward to the future. So, First of all, I just want to ask you, how did it all start for you in football? How did how did things get started? Yeah, um, I've been playing football since really the earliest I can remember, since the ages five or six, playing in the garden with my dad, my parents. And then really got involved with like a Sunday league team, AFC Newbury from my hometown, then moved to another Sunday league team at the age of around seven and eight, stayed there till I was around under nines. And then I was scouted by Swindon, where I started off my first academy career. Had a really good time there, learnt a lot of things, really helped me to pave my pathway into into my career, where then I then moved on to Chelsea, where I was scouted. Yeah, so you were at Swindon's academy until under, 50, under 15 level. So yeah. I wanted to ask you how the move to Chelsea came about and what was that whole sort of switch like? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's quite a big change for me when I heard that I was invited for a six-week trial at Chelsea. Obviously, it was a very happy moment for me. It was, all, it, um, it was almost quite just a massive thing in my life because I mm. wanted to definitely move on with my career and get to the highest level I could. At um, Swindon, they said to me that if you go, we won't let you come back. They made it quite hard for me. Um, but I wanted to make that make that step in to improve in my career I was there for my first six-week trial which was then extended another six weeks I was like okay kept kept persevering through it and it got to the end of the 12 weeks and they extended it by another six weeks <laughs> so really that was, was quite a hard thing to deal with because you're putting your all you're putting your all in every every day to try to try get in but I had to keep going it's quite a hard experience me obviously only being 14 or 15 I've learned a lot from that age but then at the end of it when they did say that they wanted to sign me it was such a happy moment for me and my family mm, that must have been tricky so 18 yeah. weeks in total yeah 18 weeks on trials was it's hard so I guess yeah you just impressed them so much that obviously they they did um want to sign you and and you joined um mm. so since you've been at Chelsea, um, compared to being at Swindon, how have you found the difference in quality with, you know, obviously one of the best academies in the world, got the facilities, got the the players that, that they're able to recruit. So 
how have you found the difference? And if you could name one, one, the biggest difference, what would that be? Mm, yeah. So obviously talking about the facilities is such a big difference. I was used to training. We used to train at school um, at mm. Swindon, but coming to Cobham and all the resources there, every, all the people around there, but I'd probably say the biggest difference was that the quality and the intensity of training and games each day, something that, really improved me as a player all the coaches and uh just all their quality and their information helped me develop each each day mm, that's interesting so it's like just the day-to-day life is is a, the really big difference yeah yeah definitely and the intensity and the quality of the training definitely and i guess when you moved down to cobham was that um staying in digs so the first time moving away from your family yeah yeah it was when i i joined the full program at the start of year 10 so i would have been 15 so mm. it was quite hard you know moving away from my family at quite a young age coming moving away from my school obviously we would we'd come in around half seven seven forty five eat breakfast go do two le- two lessons we train do more lessons, do gym, and I wouldn't get home till about five or six every day. So it was quite intense, but it was a good experience. And they, at Chelsea, they, they did it very well, to be fair, because I still got a very good ed- education out of it. But like I said, each day I could still improve my my footballing ability to help my career in the future. So you progressed through the ages, under 15s, under 16s, and then you got to that age... Um... I think when you turned 17 or at the beginning of year 12, um, when you, mm. you sign your scholar, your scholarship deal, what was that day like and that whole experience of signing the scholar? Yeah, no, it was a brilliant experience, to be fair. Like it was, but it was also quite nerve-wracking because I didn't know whether I was going to get a scholar. I, mm. Obviously, as an under-15 and 16, I did, I did consistently play each week and I played well. And it was a really good experience for me. I don't know if you remember about we won like the treble we won like yeah. the what was it the Floodlit Cup, all of the North and South version of it. All of it. it was a great season, and then coming on into the Scholars, it was a it was a nervous time. But when I heard heard them say that they was offering me a scholar, it was such a such a happy moment for me. And it's an amazing group that year that you're you're signed the Scholars at the same time as you, isn't it? Obviously, you said that they've yeah. won so many trophies. Yeah, yeah, there's a, so many good good players of my age group, people like Louis Bate, Tino, Livermento, Miles, Levi. So so many good players. It's been good to play with them going through the years. Definitely helped me to develop. Mm-hmm. So in terms of your style of play, um, I think it would be fair to say that you're a bit of a defender's defender, you know, a bit mm. no-nonsense. Obviously, you are very comfortable on the ball and you like to, to play out, but... You, something that's a big feature of your game is making blocks and tough tackles um so do you think that type of front foot defending is a little bit of a dying art and perhaps you're striving to keep it alive (laughs) yeah in a way you could say that I mean if you go back in the years you look at a centre-back he's just expected to head the ball clear the ball no really ball playing composure or whatever but I feel as if the in my game I have that side of me where I will make the blocks, like you said, clearances, headers, and be that aggressive player. But I feel as if on the ball as well is something that I've tried to develop the most because as a young player, I've always had that no-nonsense 
sense of play, like he said. But it's definitely, I try to bring both elements into my game because I think it's important to make it to the top as a centre-back. Mm, definitely, especially at a club like Chelsea, who are often so kind of ball-dominant at the at yeah, yeah, levels. Definitely. Well, I say at the youth levels, but if you look at the first team nowadays, it's, it's the same. So yeah, all the yeah, way yeah. throughout the club. Um, but another thing that's quite prevalent in your game is that you're a very vocal player. And, you know, that's mm. something that's not that common at, at the age that you're at. So what do you put that down to? Have you always been like that? Yeah, I would say coming up the coming up in my years of around 12, 13 is something that I've noticed that I could definitely help to develop my game and make me a better player, make make you stand out as a player because it's something that quite a lot of coaches have mentioned to me or people on the side and it's definitely a, a strength in my game, um, especially at the moment as well. Like you said, a captain in the 18 side, there's, this season we've got quite a few first years being involved with quite a lot of our second years being pushed up onto the under-23 level. It means that we've used quite a few first years and the difference between under-16 and under-18 is quite big. So me using my voice and helping them and being that vocal player, definitely feel it helps us in the games and helps them as well. Do you think it's something that um, not only is used to your advantage, but kind of for the whole team, they look to, I guess, lean on you throughout games? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could say that. It's something that you can look at in like two different ways. I'll... I'll talk in a in a, an encouraging way to try boost the team's morale and all that, but then in a tactical way, getting players just come inside, screen my nine, or tucking the back three in, getting us in on a counter attack or stuff like that. So it's definitely something that helps the team as a whole. Yeah, mm, that's really cool. Um, so obviously, you said just then you mentioned that you've captained the the Chelsea under eighteen side quite a lot this season. So. Is that the first time you, you've captained for Chelsea or were you captain like uh, in the younger ages as well? Um, yeah, I've been captain once the uh, younger ages, but I, back then it's not as such of a big thing. I think when you come mm. to the under-18 levels and you're in that competitive side, you know, week in, week out, playing big games, it is, is quite a big thing and it's something, it is a, it's a good feeling to know that and that the coaches have that trust in you. It's something that, sort of boost my confidence as well and I sort of just take take it in my stride to try try better myself and try better the team as well mm, and it's quite a tough league isn't it it's been a bit of a, a tough start to the season so what's it been like yeah. obviously being at the very heart of that yeah yeah no nah, it's has been quite a tough season to start with we've played well to be fair we've, we've done well but in some places we definitely need improvement and being at the heart of that I try Try so coming from training to encourage players and get us back in maybe after a tough weekend to then go again. Mm, yeah, so obviously you mentioned before with the first years um, mm. and how the difference between under-16 football and, and under-18 football is quite stark. But would you say in terms of the league being more competitive and week in, week out, like you said, do you think it's sort of down to the fact that results are more important or are you still looking to kind of get the performance first mm. and then the result or how how does that go? I feel at Chelsea, it's definitely, there's definitely that winning mentality day in, day out. Like mm. every game, every game we play at the end of training, 
there'll be losers who are in gear. So it's, it's always got something there in terms of that. But I feel as if Chelsea, they definitely want to develop their players. So if you look at it as in like, Chelsea, they like I said, they pushed on players into our 23s, whereas a lot of the teams in our league are playing just straight second years um, every week. So so there's there's both sides of it, but I do admire that they are trying to develop their players because if you're playing the first years, that then improves their individual performances and makes them a better player as well. So I feel Chelsea, they do well to master both sides of it. Mm, so obviously... With regard to that, you are now a second-year um, mm. scholar. So that does mean, although, as you said, a lot of teams do play straight second years at this level, but you are, I guess it's fair to say, you're a relatively experienced player under 18 level now. So will you be looking to push for opportunities in the 23s as the season go- goes on? Because you said, like, a lot of your, you know, age mates, like, for example, Miles Butt-Harris or Louis Bate, um, mm. they're playing in the 23s almost permanently now but is it do you think it's different perhaps because you're a defender yeah yeah I was gonna I was gonna say that I feel like sometimes mm. halfway for defenders you normally throughout football you prefer an experienced older centre-back because it's quite yeah. a quite an important role within a team but I'll definitely yeah day in day out I do try I push myself if I train with the 23s definitely try and make a stamp there. I've just got to wait for my opportunity, but it's definitely something that I do do want to push for to try and help my career. Mm. And I guess you don't necessarily have the, the easiest path into that side. They might be putting it a bit lightly with guys like Levi Colwell and Dinel Simeo, Jack Wakeley, Xavier and Bayambo coming back from injury now. So mm. what do you do to keep on pushing yourself to challenge them, to challenge with those guys? Because obviously they're such well-known talents especially in Boyamba like a big new signing and then yeah, you're yeah. basically against him for these opportunities um so so what do you do to keep on pushing yourself to challenge with those guys yeah as you said obviously there's a lot of a lot of good players around me who um who have made a mark and made a statement in the game definitely but I think for me myself I try not to focus on too much what other people are doing. I try to focus on myself, how I train in the game, how I train every day. I make every game as important as possible and try to do, try to do as well as I can, to be honest. And hopefully when my opportunity comes, then that will be, I'll take it in my stride and then hopefully everything will fall into place. Mm. So... Obviously, there's the under-23s and the under-18s, but there are also two other competitions, um, which are kind of... Well, the FA Youth Cup is also under-18, but then you've got the UEFA Youth League, which is under-19, strictly. So that yeah, tends yeah. to be a mix of players from, from the two groups. Um, and last season, you made one substitute appearance in each. Um, so do you hope to be a big part of the side for those this season? I guess the, the Youth Cup is one where, where you might look to make especially a big impact. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, we got the Youth Cup this Saturday, actually. We've got two, mm. two o'clock kick-off against Barnsley. something that I do want to make a big impact in and help lead our team to do well in those competitions. And uh, for Youth League, it's definitely something that I want to be featured in being in and around because it's such a good competition. You're playing foreign sides, different, different teams. It's a whole different type of game. But yeah, it's definitely something I want to make an impact on myself. And I feel like it will definitely improve me as a player playing in these big games 
Mm. And last season, obviously, didn't manage to bring back the silverware in either of those competitions. But it is they are two competitions that Chelsea have been serial winners in over the past sort of five or ten years. So how, how important do you think it is for us to challenge strongly for those trophies? Because as you said before, there's such a winning mentality in, in the Chelsea mm. Academy. I think by this point, it's almost kind of famed that women mentality. So how important it is to kind of keep that? Yeah, yeah. No, I feel like it's, feel like it's extremely important to the, to the club, but also the players, something that you're working each day, every week towards towards those big games. And it's something that, as you said, in the past, if you look back on the teams, how they used, used to win the trebles and it was such a, it's an inspiration to us and it's something that we definitely want to do ourselves. And yeah, so it's definitely something that is important to us and the club itself. Mm, yeah, so slightly moving away from results and games and the state of play but recently yeah. we had Ruben Sammer on on the podcast and I was quizzing him a bit on whether there's a clear kind of Chelsea philosophy um, mm -hmm. and I wanted to ask you what what you think about that is there like a clear one or do you think it's it's more complicated than that I wouldn't say there's something that's straight clear in and out because at Chelsea you're given your freedom in your play but this the main thing I'd say is that it's always drilled into you from a young age is the hard work that you come in every day and you leave everything on the pitch. Something that's it's a given really that you put your all in, even if you're having a say a bad day on the ball, that you work hard off it. Because sometimes as a team, you might not have the best game on the ball, but you can win games from your press, from working hard off it. And obviously there's the other side of, as you said earlier, Chelsea a very ball-playing team. So there's that part of it and that's something that we instrument every day. But it's definitely the working hard off the ball and just putting your all in every day. Mm, so, obviously, over the last few years, despite that kind of amazing haul of silverware that the, the academy brought brought in that I, was, that I mm -hmm. mentioned earlier, um, there weren't that many players breaking into the first team. Um but now, over the last season or two, we've seen that. So, as a player, you're like yourself in Chelsea's academy currently. Um, do you think seeing the likes of Lampard, or but obviously behind him, Jody Morris, Joe Edwards, coaches mm. who have come through the academy and know the players so well, does seeing that them give so many opportunities to younger players, does that give you more belief than, than you perhaps had when managers like Conte and Sarri were around? Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's something like I've trained with Jody or Joe and it's I've also trained over the first team with Frank and it definitely seeing them giving people the opportunities. You look at Reese James, Mason Mount, Callum Hudson Odoi, people who they've they got that opportunity because the manager has faith in them and then they've taken it because of the good players that they are. So it's definitely definitely inspiring and gives you sort of a gives you sort of relief that the managers above because managing above will definitely trust the younger players because that's obviously what all of us want to do. We all want to play for the Chelsea first team. Mm. So you mentioned just a second ago, I just want to quiz you on, on what training <laughs> with the first team was like because that must be an, an amazing experience. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, a, it was an amazing experience and really just the quality over there is, 
it's insane the one and two touch play the intensity of it but it's such a good experience and it sort of gives you that that hunger that you want to be there you want to be in and around that every week mm. are there any particular players that you want to pick out for who, who impressed <laughs> you the most uh when i was over there obviously he's not here anymore but william was a very good player so was pedro mm. and i say also mason he was consistently consistently just his technical ability is is very high level so you said giving sorry training with the first team like that it gives you that extra sort of hunger so mm. looking forward what are your ambitions in the short term but also in the long term yeah of course um short term i'd say for the rest of the season for us to do well in the league hopefully push forward to to win it or get very high up there fa youth cup definitely to get the winner that have a good run and win that and bring home the silverware but for me personally i want to either push on to the 23s and have a good season there play consistently i'd like to look to go out on loan to definitely get that first team experience because it's quite hard to get into the first team just straight away obviously get that loan experience but then looking long term i just want to play i want to play first team football and have a have a good career in the game it's something that I've loved the game since a young age and just have always wanted to to play first team, play in front of the crowds at the stadiums. And it's something that really important to me. And if I can, that will really be my, my main ambition. Mm. It's, it's interesting to me that you kind of welcome the idea of, of going out on loan so much because it's not something that players your age are necessarily that comfortable with the idea of. Is that, do you want to just elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, of course. For me, I feel as if I want to play first-team football as soon as possible, being around that to improve myself. So I definitely feel that's where where you will learn the most. So going out on loan is fully comfortable with it. It will be a, be a tough and challenging experience, but it's something that I will definitely learn from and set me instead for the future, really. Awesome. I think that wraps it up, really. I, I really enjoyed that. Really interesting. Thanks so much for coming on, Charlie. That's all right, mate. Thank you for having me. No, you're welcome. It was our pleasure. Um, and I wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season. And obviously, like you were just saying, uh, in, in the long-term future. Um, but yeah, that wraps it up. Slightly shorter episode today, but really enjoyed chatting to Charlie there. Um, and yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, make sure to give us a follow on all our social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram. Go check out our website as well. Um, and yeah, that's it. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time.